Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the CX Goalkeeper podcast. Your host, Gregorio Leoni, will have smart discussion with experts, thought leaders, and friends on customer experience, transformation, innovation, and leadership. I hope you will enjoy the next episode. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight it's really a big, big pleasure. I have Rick Denton together with me. Hi, Rick. How are you? Doing well, Greg. How are you doing? I am very well because I know that I will spend the next half an hour speaking to you and therefore I'm looking forward to get a lot of insights on what is changing in customer experience and what is not changing in customer experience. But before we start this game, let's start with the standard question. Could you please introduce yourself? I would love to introduce myself, uh, Greg. And I just want to say thank you, too, for being on CX Passport before. That was such a fun episode. I learned so much about your approach to customer experience and how you have tied it to the the great, the beautiful game of, you know, in the U.S., we call it soccer, but of course, globally called football. What a great, great thing you have going there. So, Greg, shout out to you and all that you have going on here with the CX Goalkeeper podcast. It is brilliant and fantastic. And I am just honored to be a guest on it today. So thank you so much for that. I simply put, I am a customer experience advisor. Um, I'm also, I do speaking and of course have my podcast here, uh, CX Passport, and have had some fun doing that. But what I really love to focus on is helping companies create great customer experience. And I tend to do that focusing heavily on voice of the customer and helping them create what I call a total voice of the customer approach. And that goes well beyond survey and score and into truly listen and act. I've been at this for about five years as an independent. Before that, had corporate jobs, both in the customer experience world and then came out of a more project management and process improvement space. Heck, I even have a Six Sigma black belt, but it's gray from lack of use. And it is just a, a career that is, has gone on for decades now. But it is uh, something that's a whole lot of fun to be focused here on customer experience now. You will, when I'm not working, you will find me just as easily find me here in Texas or in Thailand with my family trying to travel the world because travel is such an important part of us. And as you may have heard, I do believe that the best meals are served outside and require a passport. I love eating and I love traveling. Thank you very much, Rick, for your introduction. And I think this is something that the community or we should always learn because you could, you could see me as a competitor. I could see you as a competitor, but that's not what we are thinking about no. <laughs> each other. I really like and I really enjoy being on, on your outstanding podcast, the CX Passport. You have some episodes that are so amazing and so oh, interesting. Thanks. And therefore, I really suggest to my audience to have a look at CX Passport because it's really a great podcast. And I am really pleased that we can have this discussion about what is changing and what is not changing in customer experience. But yeah. before we deep dive, also for me, extremely important to understand is which are the values that drives you in life? Is, the... Sorry, is traveling a value? <laughs> Oh, well, I sure hope it's a, a value. And you know why? I just It's funny. I just had this discussion with somebody the other day why travel is so important to me. And, and a lot of it stems from, of course, there's the kind of travel. Let's go sit on the beach, have a cocktail, and watch the waves roll in, right? That's good travel, too. Everybody needs to recharge and, and revitalize. But there's also the travel where you go out and experience other cultures. And the depth of how you can experience those cultures shoot all the way back when I was a high school student, back when it was still the Soviet Union. That shows you how old I am. And I remember traveling over there in the height of the Cold War and sitting down and having a meal 
with a family uh, in the Soviet Union and realizing then as I felt really dumb as a senior in high school, I thought, oh, my gosh, they're not the enemy. They're just another a human group of humans who want to sit down and laugh and love with their families, enjoy a meal, enjoy a, a, a nice work and a, a nice fulfilled life. And that travel and travel, that exposure to other people, other cultures really has helped kind of breed who I am. And that is uh, realizing that, you know, my way isn't necessarily the only way. And I sure love getting exposure to others. So, yes, travel is one of those values that motivate me. Family is another one. Uh, I mentioned my family, love traveling with them and I've tried to yank my kids along. My wife and my kids, we uh, we always try to do things together. But my kids are older now. Um, I've got one in university and one about to be in university. And so those areas are so vital to me from a corporate perspective. It's all about the customer. You want to talk about a value that I care about? I'm going to talk way too much about the customer and how much I care about the customer um, and why I enjoy talking to chief customer officers, perhaps uh, even more than chief revenue officers at time. But I like the chief revenue officers that care about the customer as well. No, I think it, it totally makes sense. And back to traveling, I learned yesterday in an other podcast that somebody was explaining that traveling is extremely important to people. Now, after COVID, the pandemic... Oh, yeah people can travel again because it's one extremely easy way to create memories. Yes. And I think this is also an important topic that we will touch tonight. I would imagine, well, I could talk about that for the entire trip. And, and you know, that's probably why it's impossible for me to find seats on planes these days. My goodness, it's so crowded out there in the travel world. But I'm glad to see that we're all finally able to get out there and do that and experience the world again. Exactly. And now I think it's really time to start the game. We are warm enough to start, <laughs> to start playing and, and perhaps really starting from, from the basic. What is changing in customer experience and what is not changing? Yeah. So I love talking about that latter one and I'm going to get there um, here in a little bit. But you know what I what I see changing a lot? And I, I, it's, it's kind of bifurcated that I see some people doing this and others not. But it's the sense of, okay, customer experience is no longer this novelty. That's what's really changing, I think, in this idea that customer experience is just, that's what you have to do. The realization that experience is a differentiator is becoming more and more normalized. I think what also is changing, and it's it's changed but continues to change, and we hear about it so much, is the digital aspect of uh, customer experience and why how a customer wants to interact with a brand digitally, certainly influenced by the pandemic as we found ways and needs to be separate from each other. But even as we now have found ourselves able to be connected again, that digital aspect of life is weaving itself very strongly through the customer experience world. I think uh, to say it's changing may be the wrong word, but to just say that it's a continuing evolution of how do we unify a customer's experience across all of its various journeys so that it is no longer just the sales journey or the onboarding journey or the recurring journey or whether it's an airline or what that might look like when it comes to what a customer's journey is. It's it, Companies are getting better at unifying those worlds and instead of having the separate channels of customer experience, but rather having one unified approach to customer experience. We're not there yet. So to say that it's changed is perhaps the wrong word, but there's more energy moving towards that. Yes, and I think we have a joke in our community that customer journeys are perfect as long as they are on PowerPoint. As soon <laughs> as the customer starts going to them, we are facing the first issues, and this is the reality. Yeah, there was, um, oh my gosh, 
I'm pretty sure it was Joe Boswell. She's another uh, really, really smart person out there in the, the customer experience world. And, you know, that's not the right name. I'm sorry, it's the wrong name. But regardless of that, there was a great point that was shared with me. And it is the idea, Elaine Lee, that's who it was. It was Elaine Lee. And she's shared this concept of there is no such thing as an average customer. And so that idea of the journey is great when it's sitting in the conference room on paper, but then it breaks down as soon as you walk out of that conference room. So important. And the same thing is there is no such thing as an average customer. There are just a bunch of customers that perhaps we choose to lump together, but that's not what that one individual customer is experiencing. No one is the average. Exactly. It, it totally makes sense. And I think you are extremely focused on the customer. And one topic is the voice of the customer. Yeah. And I know that you are speaking about total voice of the customer. Could you please explain to us this concept? Yeah, let me, it, I'm glad you're talking about total voice of the customer right off the bat there, because when I think about what isn't changing What's not changing is we need to listen to our customers. We need to have a total voice of the customer approach. And it's one of three kind of areas that I really think about that isn't changing. But when I think of total voice of the customer, it's that idea of moving from survey and score to listen and act. And I tell this story a lot that there's too many companies that they think that voice of the customer means a survey. Send out a survey, get a score back, and then they sit in their boardroom. And it's really nice and it's paneled and there's great glass and some there's a nice little cup of water there. And then they put the NPS score up on the screen. And if it went up this month, ooh, they clap and they cheer about that. And then if it went down, they shed a little tear and get sad about it. And then they move straight on and never think about it again. That's worthless. That's not voice of the customer. And that's one thing that's not changing in, in the world of customer experience is the need to listen to your customer and act. Listen and act. And total voice of the customer is one of those. You can see I'm getting kind of animated. I'm actually having to kind of strap myself into my chair right now so that I don't jump out of your screen here. But it is. It, imagine it across kind of nine main dimensions. I won't go into great detail here because it, it but just trust me, go to totalvoc.com and you'll see kind of greater explanation of it. But the first is collect. How do you collect the customer's voice across these uh, listening posts that exist? It's not just a survey. It's not just your calls that come in. It's your emails. It's your chats. It's the social media that exists out there. It's your front line. We'll talk about front line here in a little bit if we get there. And then what do you do? How do you analyze that? It's great that you have all this data coming in, but data is not information. Information is not analysis and analysis is not action. So how do you do something with it? How do you analyze that into important themes? That's kind of what I think of as making up the, the, the listen side of it. Now, there's one portion to it too that I talk about that's global. When I'm talking to global companies, it's important to recognize that your customer may not communicate in the way that you individually do. Work with a brand before that it was, it, and they were smart about it. They knew that just because we're a Western brand does not mean that our Asian customers want to speak to us in the same way that we might want to speak. I'm not just talking about language, but is it email or is it WeChat? Is it uh, WhatsApp? How do we communicate with our customers matters across cultures. So being global in your approach to that is important. When I talk about ACT, and that total voice, the customer piece of act, I start with closed loop feedback, but I talk about an external closed loop feedback. That's the idea of restoring the relationship of one customer, not an average customer, that one customer that has an issue, that external closed loop feedback. And then the internal closed loop feedback is, okay, we have all these themes. Now let's do something about it. Let's amplify what's working really well in the company but let's also improve the things that are a challenge and our customers are telling us they're not happy with. I do want to stop down on something that I said there, and that's the idea of restore relationships. Stole it from Disney. All of us, anybody who's in the customer experience world has probably heard that phrase. But if you haven't, it's a very Disney approach to things. And you're not fixing issues 
but you're restoring relationships. And I have, we don't have time. I doubt we have time today to, to go into the story, but there's a story of, I experienced that at Disney when a, the log ride broke and they went out of their way, not to just fix my issue with a disappointed daughter, but absolutely deeply restored her relationship and my relationship with the Disney brand. Beautiful way about going about that. But it's those closed loop feedback elements that are so important. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then the, the, an area, if I stopped right there, people would go, that's listen and that's act. Great. That's not total voice of the customer because so often we forget about the employee part of voice of the customer. And I'm not talking about voice of the employee. That's important, but that's not what I mean here. I mean, how do you inspire? How do you celebrate? And how do you coach? in your employee world using voice of the customer. Nothing is more motivating to a, a company than hearing from the actual customer, celebrating the elements of what really has gone well. Somebody that did something delightful for the customer, the customer said something great about it. Celebrate them. The inspire part, oh my gosh, there's some beautiful stories that companies have out there. I worked for a company that was in the home equity space. And they did a great job of taking the voice of the customer, listening for the beautiful story, and then really amplifying it. They sent out video crews to interview customers. But I'm not a home equity here, right? Nobody thinks that that's emotional. But when you listen to a woman say that I was able to give birth to a 14-year-old girl when she was describing adopting a 14-year-old girl into her family, and the tears coming down her face all because of a home equity product – suddenly you realized, oh my gosh, this means something. I'm inspired as an employee. Or you hear about a cancer treatment that was affordable because of that, or someone got to stay in their home because of this. So using that voice, the customer to inspire, to celebrate and coach, especially Greg, we're talking here on the CX Goalkeeper podcast. Coach gets such a negative tone in business, unfortunately. I'm going to coach you. But that's not what a real coach is. That's not what the coach that in a football uh, team is, is doing. They're amplifying what's really good in that player, trying to find it and, and strengthen that. And then, yes, course correcting on the areas that aren't great, uh, need development. That's the coach. And using the customer's voice to do that is so vital. And then the last thing is the idea. I think I've hit all nine here, but the last one is this idea of customer across the organization, the voice of the customer across the organization. And yeah, Amazon has the cliched empty chair of the customer, but whether it's your empty chair or it is just simply bringing the customer into all of your decisions, bringing the voice of the customer into all of your decisions. So are you starting your operational meetings with a customer story? Or are you starting it with just another wall of operational metrics? Those kind of things. So that idea of going beyond survey and score into listen and act, such a key part of total voice of the customer. And hopefully I did not glaze your eyes over there, but my gosh, I could talk about this for hours because I love talking about voice of the customer. No, you are really inspirational because I'm, I was thinking about the coach, the role of the coach. And uh, for him, it's clear. He needs to double down on, uh, on the strength of the player and not trying to, to work on the weaknesses, but really doing that. And on the other side, what you were saying, and I simplify it extremely for, for football or for soccer, it's the feedback from the fans. These are the yeah. customers yeah. in, in football. They are giving direct, unfiltered feedback to the team and everybody gets the feedback <laughs> and there is individual feedback but then the players the teammates have also the opportunity to react or to yeah. act on this feedback and it totally makes sense and then and yeah. also to introduce the next topic is the employees again the teammates are giving mm -hmm. feedback themselves you did well you did not well 
pay attention and yeah. this and that and therefore it's 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 really magic what you are saying because you used also the disney example and it really fits also in in what i'm trying to explain and yeah. it's and, and it's really extremely important and to conclude also when you have the feedback from the from the fans from the customer when you have the feedback from the employees the team players then perhaps you could get also feedback from the match itself if you are trying to score a goal going to, uh, yeah. on the left and you are not able to go through then you change it and that's right. therefore you act on on your feedback totally that's makes right. sense that's right absolutely and it, you you heard me kind of grinning and maybe even chuckling a bit when you talked about feedback from the fans my son is a ref and he has been increasing his levels of being a ref to where he's almost to the the US league MLS so he's he's knocking on the door of being an MLS ref and the feedback from the fans is certainly interesting to take as a ref. And that's actually, it relates to total voice, the customer in the sense of, you remember I talked about collecting customer voice across a bunch of channels. It's important not to, I'm going to use, I'm making up a term here, over listen to any particular channel or any one particular customer, because I can assure you, I've sat at games where my son has made the right call, but the fans did not like the call. And so he also takes the feedback of the coaches. He takes the feedback of the ref assessors. He takes the feedback to the rules of the game to know what is the right thing to, to act upon. And so companies also shouldn't overreact to the loudest customer or the unhappiest customer because they've got this total voice the customer approach that allows them to know what the full suite of the actual experience is to know that, okay, that one experience, let's restore that relationship, but that's not really an important thing for us to change as a company. So that feedback is, is a great example of how you've got to listen, listen to the fans, but make sure that you're taking the whole suite of feedback in place as well. Exactly. And first of all, congratulations to your son. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Great achievement. And we were speak, speaking about the teammates, the employees. Mm -hmm. And I think you are explaining also quite a lot around the role of the front line. Yeah. And who does, uh, who does front, line, front line knows better than you mean? What does it yeah. mean really for you? So I mentioned that there's things that have not changed. And a lot of it, here's, here's where that whole origin came around. How often have we heard the pandemic changed everything? 2020, the year that everything changed. Well, I submit to you that the, the 2020 is the year that not everything changed. And that total voice of the customer didn't change. The need for that didn't change. And the second thing that didn't change is your frontline knows your customers better than you do. And it amazes me how many companies who even attempt or desire or have the ambition to have a great customer experience fail to do so because they fail to understand the people who are at the front lines of delivering and creating that experience and think that they can sit back in a conference room somewhere and just understand at a high level what the customer's experience might be. That, that phrase we're talking about, there are no average customers, right? And the front line knows that because they're interacting. They're interacting on the phone. They're standing at the retail counter. They're at the boarding gate. They're on the plane. They're at the hospital. Uh, the, well, actually, actually at the hospital triage, right? Patient experience is valuable too. And so how do we set up a system to take in that input from the front line? How are we engaging with the front line? How are we living out there with the front line? Are we, are we as leaders, are we going out and experiencing the front line with our front line? Are we experiencing what the customers experience out there? And if we can't physically be there or what you can't be in every place every time, how do we enable our front line to be able to communicate information 
back into that proverbial headquarters so that we can know exactly what is taking place at the customer. Uh, two airlines here in the DFW area uh, that are headquartered here. One, I've had I've flown a bunch, so I've had experiences with both, right? And I've had to call in and get things fixed at times. And I've t- asked, I'm a CX guy, of course I do this. Hey, do you have a place to capture my feedback? Airline one, absolutely. And I can hear them clickety-clacking and, and, and hitting it in their keys and told me exactly what was going to happen. That company had a system to take that input back from the front line. Other, other airline, uh, at least I admire the agent's honesty. This is a true story. She goes, no, there's really no way for us to take that information. But if you want to send an email off to customer service, yada, yada, yada. Okay, well, great. So at least she was honest. But that tells me they didn't have that in place. They aren't listening to their front line. But there's a piece of that that I want to amplify as well. Great that you took it back, the information from the front line. How are you feeding your insights back to the front line? How are you involving them in the solution design of what you've learned from them? How are you not just pulling from the front line, but how are you working with and sharing insights back into them so that they can help deliver a great customer experience as well? So we talked about what isn't changing. The first one is that total voice of the customer. Second is the front line knows better than you do absolutely knows better than you do what the actual experience is. But what you're saying, it it's totally makes sense. And I already see also on, in Europe on our side uh, that the first agile teams are trying to get also frontlines yeah. employees into the teams to drive innovation, to drive continuous improvement, because they know the real life, what customer issues are and what customer requests are. And yeah. that really, it, it totally makes sense. And I really appreciate that now it started, thanks to this uh, agile way of thinking, create these uh, scrum teams where also, where, where also frontline employees are there. Yeah. You mentioned two things that are not changing, total voice of the customer, the role of the frontline. And I think one thing that I am, I feel it's still not changing as company using the COVID excuse. <sighs> I'm not allowed to cuss on this show, right? So I'm not going to do any cussing, but trust me, they're rolling through my heads right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How frustrating is that? That absolutely has not changed. The, the, and and I, I w- I'm going to say it a little differently. I'm going to tell you that the customer does not care about your COVID excuse. Now, let me amplify that because eventually, God willing, companies will stop using COVID as an excuse, but the customer does not care about your excuse. They don't. They don't care that you're struggling to hire people. It's real. That is a real issue. Certainly here in the U.S. and I think in many places in the world, hiring employees is a big challenge right now. The customer doesn't care. The customer doesn't care that you have long hold times. The customer, well, the customer cares about that. They don't care about the excuses behind that. And so nothing infuriates a customer more. And I could pick up my phone right now and I guarantee I could dial an 800 number of a particular company and I would still hear, due to COVID, that sentence needs to go away. But due to anything the customer doesn't care about, they just want results. And so don't rub an excuse in their face and certainly don't rest on that excuse and not look to improve it. Companies have already solved for this. There are ways to solve for the pains that they are experiencing. And what those solves are, uh, your competitors are getting ahead of you. They're already doing it. So every time that you raise an excuse to the customer, all you're doing to that customer is saying, we're not all that good. So go with that other company. Now, you may not think you're saying that, but that's exactly what you're saying. We're not that good. Go try that other company out. And so those are the three things that I say, look, 
that's customer experience has not changed. The pandemic has not changed across total voice. The customer, the frontline knows your experience better than you do. And the customer does not give a bleep about your excuses. It's and it's, it totally makes sense. I think I don't need to comment or to explain <laughs> how a match would go if 10 players play against 11 players because <laughs> one employee is missing. Yes. <laughs> Although resign. it does happen sometimes that somebody goes and studs up, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you should, it means you would start a match with 10 people and not. I know what a crazy thought that would be. <laughs> exactly. And companies are choosing to do that. They're going into their phone calls. They're going to their experiences, just basically saying we'll take a red card and we'll send a man off before we even get started. Exactly. And I think that's also good because then it don't need your son doesn't need to do that to give the red card, but <laughs> <laughs> the company give itself. <laughs> Joke aside, I think we spoke about um, what it's happening now and what I look like. I would like to deep dive with, with you as a customer experience expert. It's what do you foresee in the next ten years in customer experience? It's really I'm thinking about that question. And you can see kind of, I mean, heck, I'm even looking off screen here, kind of thinking a bit. You know how I think about that? I, I want you to think back to May 10th of 2012 and try to think back what the world was like in 2012. And so to imagine then what it would look like 10 years from now, it's almost a, an exercise in we're not, we're, we're going to suddenly, whatever I say is going to be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> because I guarantee whatever I would have said 2022 was going to look like, if you asked me in 2012, I would have been wrong. But here's what I do think. I do, I sincere, there's an optimism that I have. And maybe it's because I'm in the customer experience world. So it's not so much about what does 10 years from now look like, but what does the journey to 10 years look like? And I really, really believe because of the power that the customer has right now, because the ease of switching, because of the increase in the realization that by focusing on experience actually creates God-proven financial results that companies are going to continue to migrate that, that direction. That it is, it is not going to be, consultants like me are not going to have to go into boardrooms and say, here's the proof of why customer experience matters, but rather here's how we can help you unlock what customer experience will do for your revenues, for your experience, for your employee experience, for your employee engagement, whatever that looks like. I also think, <clears throat> I think you're going to see an increase in the unification of uh, is that the right term? Basically just breaking down the silos. Let me just not use fancy business words, just breaking down the different channels so that if I initiate a conversation with a brand over chat and then migrate to the phone, it's all seamless. And then maybe even inside the chat, I click, and this already exists today. It just doesn't exist universally. There's a temptation to want to talk about the metaverse, but one, I'm ignorant of it. I, I, I wouldn't, but I do think that there's areas to explore in there as well when we talk about the 10 years. I do, I, I do think that there's, I think what I would categorize that as it's just another one of the channels that can exist. And so that unification across those various channels is how we'll see customer experience kind of continue to grow. I'm channeling a fellow CX colleague here. 
uh, Nicholas Zeisler, great guy, <clears throat> pretty intelligent insights that I see out on LinkedIn. And he was on the podcast last year as well. But one of the things that I really like about what he said too, is he's, he's done with the ROI of CX. He says, brands shouldn't be doing that. No one asks, Hey, what's the ROI of human resources? No one asks what's the ROI of the finance department. It's just an expectation that it exists. And I'm not quite there with him yet. I think we still need to prove the ROI of CX. But what I think 10 years from now is that he's going to be right. And I think that then it will no longer be we have to prove CX. It's just going to be customer experience matters. And that's what we have to do as businesses to be able to drive a business forward. It won't just be table stakes. It will be table stakes. But those that delight and really shine in the customer experience space are the ones that are going to have the revolutionary results inside of their companies. The only thing that I can say is thank you very much, Rick. The game is coming to, to an end. It was oh, no. an outstanding discussion, but as, uh, as a matter of fact that I have you on, uh, on the show, on this game, I still have three questions for you. And the first one is, um, is there a book that you would like to suggest to the audience that helped you during your career or during your life? Um. Ooh, a book, a book. Okay, so I'm going to hit a customer experience one real quick because it's a classic. Almost everybody's read it, but Carrie Bodine, Bodine, oh, I'm sorry, Carrie, I, but uh, outside in, it is the classic, it is the Bible. Everything about it is, is still brilliant. But here's the thing. I think we all know our customer experience books. So can I give just a couple, can I, this is something on every Saturday, every, I try on most Saturdays to post a nature post because I think it's important as business people to unplug, recharge. And for me, nature is where that is. And so let me give a book that has nothing to do with customer experience. It's one that I just finished and it's a gentleman in Moscow by, and I don't know how to pronounce the author's name, but a more tolls, T-O-W-L-E-S. It just was a beautiful story. It just was a, it's a story. There's no um, world meaning to it. It didn't change how I approach customer experience, but it allowed me to escape in a different time and a different period, which allowed my mind to just unlock and live in that period for that time, which refreshed me to return back to the business world. So a gentleman in Moscow by Amor Tolls is the one that I would want people to hear. Thank you very much. And we can put the link in the show notes. And also what I would like to add to the show notes is uh, how people can contact you. Yeah. Well, thanks for that. And so certainly one can go to my website, EX, the number four CX. It stands for execution for customer experience, but it's easier to type EX4CX.com or more directly go to totalvoc.com. And there you can see how I approach voice the customer. There's some free downloads there too, to, to how you can inspire employees, how you can celebrate employees, how you can build an internal closed loop feedback program or an external closed loop feedback program. There's an assessment there too, if you want to download that to just check where you are on your voice, the customer maturity journey. And then the last thing I'd say is follow me, connect with me on LinkedIn. That's where I am. That's my social media. That's where I, I love engaging. Greg, that's how you and I met is through LinkedIn. And that's where I would love for folks to find me there is on, on, link, uh, on LinkedIn. And then lastly, I'd say, go ahead and listen to CX Passport. It's on all the fave podcast sites, but if you need a, a URL, cxpassport.com. Those are all places you can find me. Thank you very much, Rick. And now we are really coming to, to the end. The last question is Rick Golden Nugget. It's something that we discussed or something new that you would leave to the audience. Yeah, it's, it's going to be something we've already discussed. I, I believe this in my course, stop, survey, and score, 
start, listen, and act. Do that. You have the foundation for a total voice of the customer program, which will then unlock greatness in your customer experience approach. And I can conclude saying thank you very much, Rick, for your insight. It was really a great discussion. As usual, I prepared my passport on, on my desk, but somebody, my wife, took it away. <laughs> and therefore, I cannot show it, but I prepared that for the discussion. <laughs> I know it's there. I know you're a world traveler, Greg. Fear not. <laughs> thank you very much, Rick. It was really a great, great pleasure. Thank you, Greg. I enjoyed every last bit of it. This was so much fun. Thanks. Thanks. And also to the audience, I hope that you enjoyed the discussion as much as I did. It was really a great one. But at the end, as in a football or soccer match, you are the fans, you are listening to us. Please provide us your feedback because only with your feedbacks we can, back, can get better. And Rick told us we can act on your feedback and improve what we are doing. <laughs> Therefore, I wish you a great evening, a great night, a great day. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Arrivederci. If you enjoyed this episode, please share the word of mouth, subscribe it, share it. Until the next episode, please don't forget, we are not in a B2B or B2C business, we are in a human-to-human -human environment. Thank you.